Just papermen meet such interesting people. They know the lowdown, now it can be told. I'll tell you quite reliably off the record about some charming people I have known. For I meet politicians and grafters by the score, killers plain and fancy. Media Project is your half hour of commentary and analysis on what's going on in the news media. We try to give you some insights that you might not otherwise have because we've been around a long time. Sometimes that qualifies you for. Sorry, I don't mean to bring up a sensitive topic. Uh. Rosemary Mayo. <laughs> do the math. Do the math. A longtime investigative journalist, Rosemary Mayo, is here. Ira Fussfeld, the publisher emeritus of the Kingston Daily Freeman and affiliated publications. And I'm Rex Smith, formerly editor of the Times Union and now writing on Substack, the Upstate American. Alan Shartok is not with us today, but we'll try to do his part, you know. <laughs> Would you say something offensive, please, Rosemary? <laughs> Sorry, holding the I disagree with that, Rex. <laughs> you know how much I like you. <laughs> But I disagree. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Alan, but we hope you enjoyed it. So this is uh, an opportunity for us to talk about where the journalism of yesterday meets the journalism of today. One part of that might be the questions that were raised, uh, that are continuing to be raised, about CNN's handling of its town hall with Donald Trump, which in some major ways could be viewed as a disaster. There is continuing outfall of this. As it happens, I was hanging out with Christian Amanpour. <laughs> you love saying that. <laughs> ultimate name, name dropper. Isn't yeah. that cool? It's just fact. You know, it happened that we were both on the podium at the commencement ceremonies for the Columbia Journalism School. And so we were seated together and got to have an hour and a half there. But it was in the context of her recent meeting with the CEO of CNN, at which point I like to say E-I-E-I-O, the uh, Chris Licht, where they discussed it and where she held him to account. And there has been reporting in the industry press. And as she told the students at Columbia, she disagreed heartily with the decision of CNN to actually have a studio audience that was Trump partisans. And with the very question of whether you still platform, if you can use that as a verb, someone who has in fact lied about what's going on, who has threatened the lives of journalists, who specifically doesn't respect the norms, who calls the person who is interviewing him a nasty person. Let me just read you one thing that she said to this audience and see what you think of that, folks. Maybe we should revert back to the newspaper editors and TV chiefs of the 1950s, who in the end refused to allow McCarthyism onto their pages, she said, unless his foul lies, his witch hunts, and his rants reached the basic evidence level required in a court of law. His influence gradually decreased with all but his fervent colleagues and cults, so maybe less is more, she suggested, maybe live is not always right. What do you think, Rosemary? Very interesting. I, I, um, I, the most interesting part of the story to me is that the CEO of CNN, EIEIO, has so strongly backed and defended his position. He would do it all over again, he told his staff. Uh, he also chastised the media writer, all that's left media criticism at CNN. It's Oliver Darcy telling him that he was emotional, treating him like a girl. Like those editors you talk about from the 50s treated girl reporters, you're too emotional, just report this straight. And what Darcy was reporting was that it was a disaster, as you've said, it was a terrible platform. I think Amanpour has the right idea that Donald Trump cannot, should not, 
And I can't believe he still is being treated like any other candidate. He is not. He has proved very astute in using the um, biases of the media, which tend to be very respectful to presidential candidates. And he's just bashed us over the head with that. And the town hall was a perfect example of that partisan audience and inexperience. I, I thought Caitlin Collins did a great job. I've already said that. But she was not the most formidable foe going in. It's not like having, you know, even their top anchors to go against him. And while she fact-checked, there was such a fire hose of gushing of lies that she could not get all of them. And he was allowed to say things still on abortion, for example, that made my head spin. So Amanpour is right. He should not be in that. That is not to say that you don't cover the leading contender for the Republican nomination. But he could have been put on with other candidates. He could have been put on with a panel of questioners, not the public who one after another not only cheered him, but asked very softball questions that allowed him to once again go into his lies about the election, et cetera. So there are many ways that CNN could have given a really newsworthy interview with a man who is still of interest, unfortunately, in our country without giving him a platform. When we discussed the CNN, how they handled this specifically, the broader context of this whole story is that although Chris Licht is de facto daily CEO of CNN. CNN is owned by Warner Discovery. And the head of that giant company is a guy named John Malone, who's been around for a long time. I remember years ago, he led the TCI, which I believe was the cable systems over much of the country. And he is a conservative. And the theory, and it seems to be already been demonstrated, is that Malone wanted CNN to become more neutral at best, if not right-wing at worst, my phrase, at worst. So Licht saw this as an opportunity to attract viewers who heretofore would not go to CNN, particularly after Tucker Carlson was let go by Fox, Mm -hmm. and he saw an opportunity to grab those Mm -hmm. uh, viewers. And short term, the one night it worked, although the ratings were still less than what Tucker Carlson had been getting. CNN had, I believe, three million plus viewers. Right, they had a great night. And And then fell right off off the cliff. Well, why did that happen? Well, because in an attempt to attract the right wing, he lost his regular listeners and viewers. He he annoyed all regular viewers. Yeah, amazingly, CNN was finishing and may still be behind Newsmax in the ratings. Newsmax was like, you know, one of those newspapers that you get thrown into you in the street, a freebie. There's no way that Newsmax should be challenging CNN, the world leader in news. So what's going on at CNN is very complex, and there's a lot of behind-the-scenes politics going on there. And in terms of what that means to all of us, well, CNN has generally been still, even up all these years, the place to go for straight cable news, breaking news, and had the confidence of so many people who now do not feel kindly towards CNN and basically are saying, we can live without you. Isn't there a question as to whether in our media ecosystem there can be a place for that middle-of-the-road straight news-telling thing? That is, if the revenue accrues to those who can segment the audience, uh, Fox News still gets lots of money from my pillow, and CBS News gets a lot of money from whatever the current equivalent of Geritol is, yeah, yeah. (laughs) all due respect. The difficulty is how do you financially sustain, if you're CNN, people turn to you when there is breaking news because they trust you, but they've got 4,000 employees around the world. That is a big payroll to sustain on the occasional breaking news night when people are looking for straight Mm -hmm. reporting. 
I wonder if we have gotten to a point where what we grew up with, with what we believed in as the importance of being as fair as you can to all comers, whether that is financially viable in the segmented media universe these days. You're talking about what we would normally call objectivity, that that's the kind of reporting that should be being done. Well, that's the question. I mean, I think objectivity is very much in doubt these days. Having just come from the graduation of, of Columbia Journalism School, where a lot of these issues are hashed out all the time, objectivity is a dirty word because it is often viewed as... Equal <clears throat> treatment of both sides, as if they both deserve both sides, which right. is not it. But, you know, truth is not an issue. And I think Donald Trump should be covered. He is important to our politics. He's in our heads. He has affected so much. He is a huge figure in American history. Whether you like him or not, that's true. He's also great media bait. Mm -hmm. and he does get clicks. And if I were a businessman, I would certainly be paying attention to that. All that said, you don't give him the platform completely like Lick did that made him look good. You did not have to make him look good. You had to make him look newsworthy. So why not go up against a panel of newsmen asking him hard questions? Oh, well, he wouldn't have agreed to it, would he? No, and he won't agree to the debates either, right. even to the presidential debates or the Republican candidate debates he doesn't want to do. So, okay, exclude him then. That's his choice, not the media's. Mm -hmm. But to just say the only way we can get him is to promote him, which is what CNN did. They gave him one hour, actually 90 minutes, of free advertising. That's one of the reasons he was president in 2016, because of coverage of his rallies. And they are doing the exact same thing. Was that good for them? Yeah, they did make a lot of money, didn't they? When they were promoting and they him. promoted their new star note yes. this that the woman who oh, did yes. the interview caitlin collins now is getting the 9 p.m slot that had previously been christopher Which cuomo's predicted here yeah, yeah that's I mean, before that before this occurred we are here and elsewhere on this station my view was that this was something that CNN should do. It made sense for them to do it, but I had one asterisk, which was that the moderator had to be prepared to follow up and not let him get away with stuff. I'm not quite as effusive as Rosemary is, but I, generally speaking, I thought she did quite well. Mm -hmm. What I did not count on was the audience and, right. the, and the fact right. that not only was the audience almost entirely pro-Trump, but that they didn't put a shut up, don't laugh, don't cheer. And so it they made it seem- They said you couldn't boo, but you could Yeah, you so could it made laugh. it seem it's, like a rally. Yeah. Well, Christiane Amanpour makes that point. She yeah. says, it is our house. That is yeah. the way she phrased it. Yeah. When it's our house, you make the rules. And so you should, the, the audience yeah. should have been told not to cheer or do it without an audience or, and yeah. The, the whole effect of that was that even when Caitlin Collins was fact-checking him, was saying, no, no, you can't just say that. She was being jeered. She was overwhelmed both by Trump and by the audience. So under those circumstances, she, Amanpour said she would have dropped the mic when he called her nasty. Mm -hmm. um, so do you, it, I mean, collectively, we have about 150 years of experience in this business. Oh, boy. And when we grew up in this business, <laughs> objectivity, give both sides, be fair, and all, of, all of the rest of the cliches was what we came up with. And even all these years later, I still feel that that's the way to go. It is, I, A, do you agree with that? And B, what are they saying at Columbia? You said objectivity is a dirty word Well, down yes, there. because objectivity has traditionally been viewed as neutrality. And, you know, we've been talking about this on this show and certainly in, in my newsroom at the Times Union for 25 years about the difference between truth-telling and neutrality because the truth is not always revealed by facts. And Christiane Amanpour said this. She said, be truthful 
neutral but not neutral, she told the students. Both-sidedism is not always objectivity. It does not get you to truth. Drawing false moral or factual equivalence is neither objective nor truthful. So I think there's a difference between being fair and being a pansy for the liars who would try to take advantage of your fairness, which is what is happening. The difficulty that we're confronting is that virtually the entire Republican Party has gone to Trumpism and has no respect for facts. I'm sorry, but that is the truth, that the facts that are out there uncontestable are in fact being contested, and we have a very difficult time dealing with that when almost all the candidates from that party are taking this Even if you were going to hold CNN to a bad, a defective definition of objectivity and say, just be fair, why isn't Biden getting a town hall with a pro-democratic crowd cheering him on and a nice, sweet little commentator asking him easy questions? That would be fair. He's the leading contender for the Democratic nomination. You don't think that's still to happen? I think CNN envisioned a series of these Trump kind of events with other candidates going forward as part of their quote-unquote mission to cover the presidency. By the way, would the White House agree to such a thing, given the fact that the the president is also... He's good with people, though. Yeah. And if he had a crowd supporting him the way that crowd supported Trump, he'd do fine in that setting. Yeah, he did well with the State of the Union. He did very well with that. That's (laughs) all we heard. I mean, who knows? We are so used in this country and in this media in the media to getting speeches not written by the person giving them performed rehearsed to a T so that like performances they are performative rather than an actual discussion and we pretend that that's all real none of it is real I think you're right. You know, (laughs) I hear an NPR report saying that the president will come back early after the G7 to be here for the negotiations (laughs) over the debt limit. And I think, well, what's he really doing? I mean, this is performative. This is the president having to be at the White House, isn't it? Or is he really putting his hands on things? I don't really know not being in the room. And I don't know what the media's responsibility in this. Maybe we should talk about that. But that's what we expect. You know, why do presidents always have to go to the scene of disasters? It's stupid. You know, they hug people for a photo op. They get in the way. Their security detail messes up all the other first responder responsibilities. Why do we demand that? George Bush was criticized for not going to Katrina, remember? Not unlike a television reporter on the 11 o'clock news standing in front of a crime scene when the crime happened 12 hours early. These are are ridiculous ideas. They're tropes in the media that we, the media continues and people now expect it. And it's the same thing. We don't know the difference as voters between good campaigners, Kamala Harris, one might argue, and good governors. Donald Trump could campaign, couldn't govern. Kamala could campaign, can't govern. Hmm. We don't make those distinctions, and people are not interested enough or have time enough to figure it out for themselves. I would only disagree on the facts. If she were a good campaigner, she'd be president today. Yeah, that's why I hesitated to use her. But I was trying to do a Democrat and a Republican, you know, so Mm -hmm. because it's on both sides. Well, Hillary Clinton, she would have been arguably one of the best presidents ever as far as getting government to work. She was Mm -hmm. a terrible campaigner. She shot herself in the foot over and over again. Yeah. Not trusting the it press. It is a hard so. thing. I mean, think of Andrew Cuomo. I was part of an editorial board that endorsed him three times, yep. knowing that he was, frankly, rather evil. Can you modify the word evil, or is that one of those things He's like full? He's a big bully. Yeah. He's a big bully. He's a jerk. But, but is the, uh, <laughs> I think that was the exact term. But 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 he was, uh, but our thought was, well, he's effective. He knows how to make government work. But it's he true. did it by manipulation, and it turned Intimidation, out. Intimidation, yeah. Yes. Well, now we're seeing the opposite. Now we have a very nice governor. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh Or so it seems. You know, I I think that's probably true because she didn't have a chance to get all the levers under her control before she was thrust into the public eye. And so we actually had more authenticity. I feel as though Kathy Hochul was, in fact, presented by the press, by coverage, as who she was because she hadn't yet quite acceded to or... And now that she's making horrible deals over stadiums and um, Mm -hmm. negotiating a late budget and putting up people no one wants even in her own party as a judge, you're seeing her popularity plummet. Hmm. Only good reporting, you would think, would help people to make decisions about this. A great reporter who is able to ferret out what is the reality of governing and what people see could help people. But it's very difficult to give people that kind of reporting because it doesn't draw as much attention as the kind of performative stuff that we're talking about. Right. But this is such a difficult subject for the media in general and for those of us who care about newspapers, whether they're print newspapers or digital newspapers, in that I can write the most perfect news story about government or whatever subject you want to choose. It'll check all the boxes for journalism excellence. And because of the divisiveness of this country, because of the number of media outlets there are, many of them with a point of view, at the very least throw in doubt what that great perfect story purported to say, and thus makes it seem as if the newspaper or whatever the media is to be biased in its own right. In other words, you've got a biased news outlet claiming somebody that's not a biased news outlet is a biased news outlet. (laughs) Right. And it's within that context we're trying to report and we're trying to keep the citizens who read our publications informed. I mean, if I was still active, I'd be banging my head on the wall every day. Right. It is so crazy to me how some stories come out. I read a lot and I read on both sides, right and left, and you're left. I have no idea what to think. And the latest is the Durham report. Democrats say, oh, big nothing burger, just like we said. Republicans are saying, we need congressional hearings on this. The FBI is a mess. What's right? The files, the Twitter files that Elon Musk let out. Did they reveal great horribleness or was it a nothing burger? And even even Hunter Biden's laptop for a long time, I mean, that's beginning to clear now. But that was a very difficult story to understand. Who's right? Who do we listen to? Did you mention the Durham report also? That's what I started with, yeah. Yeah. That is impossible to decipher, I think. And I read a lot. What's a regular person going to think? I think, actually, Glenn Kessler of the Washington Post had a very good piece that I thought did a good explanation of it. And so I think, but the difficulty is, as as Ira says, people are not going to believe it. If it's something in the Washington Post, Fox will attack it. And I wonder if that makes, uh, back to Christiane Amanpour's formula when she talks about the way that media dealt with McCarthyism by stepping away from the coverage of it. I don't know that that's possible anymore because we don't have the few authoritative sources that are widely trusted as newspapers of the time were. And there's so many different ways that people access information. The disintegration of the centrality of media coverage, that is having so many streams now that lead into the current of news coverage, I think that even if great thoughtful journalists at the head of major news organizations decided, okay, we're not going to take this kind of behavior and give it the coverage that traditionally we've given presidential candidates. If that decision was made to deal with Donald Trump differently, it might not make a difference in any case because people would still find it and still wouldn't and trust find what it they somewhere hear. Else. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the big major blockbuster stories still get through. 
Santos, for example, George Santos. That was a story that broke in a liberal media. It's all over. It's everywhere. We seed across that line. If you're not on Fox, you're not a big voice. Witness Tucker Carlson right now. But the Santos story, the, the, the reason people are generally accepting it is because the Republicans are not defending Santos. If Santos was portrayed by the Republicans as just another victim of the liberal mainstream media, he might survive another day. Well, he's surviving, though, because it's true that at least Stefanik and yeah. Kevin McCarthy yes. are still standing with him. Defending well, they're, him. Yeah. they're both. Uh, I don't know about her. All right, but Marjorie sh- Taylor Greene. She's on 60 Minutes. That's the epitome of liberal press. By the way, happy impeachment week. <laughs> yeah. That's what she's calling. Each day this week as we speak, she's calling for the impeachment of somebody else. She's called for Merrick Garland, Christopher Ray, and the U.S. attorney from Washington, D.C. And huh. there's supposedly more to come, but she's labeling it impeachment week. Wow. So, she's but, yet to ever write out one bill of impeachment, right. however. So it's all, it's, again, <laughs> talk about performative. She, yeah. she and Gates have learned the lessons from Donald Trump, and we continue to fall for it. The media has always loved the weird whack jobs. Well, the yeah. Rent is too damn high guy. Remember him in New York? We made a big star out of him. He was nothing. TV did. TV is media. Come on. Well, TV is the prevailing media. No, actually, you know, the Internet, digital is now a a greater source of news than television is for people, which is remarkable. But when you say digital, that is a platform, not a source. So digital could be WAMC.org or it could be FoxNews.org whatever it is. And that's the question. It's so bifurcated that we don't have a way of even imposing or agreeing to standards. The fact is, I would love to see somehow a current develop in American thought that civility, that truth matters. And I I keep hitting at this thing in everything that I write and all the commentary I do, but it, it seems like that doesn't seem to matter so much. It's what do I agree with, not what I'm willing to listen to as a potential truth. So it gets to be a question of character, I guess. What uh, And I, I remember an old political science professor who told me that the best way that he had figured out, and old, I mean, he's probably the age younger than I am now, but when I was 18, he seemed old. And he was saying that the only way you can make a judgment as a voting consumer is on the basis of what you think a person's character is. And you elect somebody whose character you trust and then unelect them if they vote uh, the way that you don't but want them to. But look what happens using that as a guidepost You've got Joe Biden, who, over a very long career in government, whether or not you agreed with his politics, most people would agree that he's a nice guy. And now even the nice guy gets attacked. He's gone to Japan to this important meeting of the G7. And what do we hear is the Republicans complaining because he's leaving the debt ceiling negotiations, even though he plans on coming back two days earlier. But if he didn't go to the G7, you'd have people saying, why is he ignoring his responsibility? It seems to me that a whole lot of Trump voters ignored character when they cast their vote. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, if you if, you know, said, you... I don't like him. I don't like the way he talks. He's rude to people. But boy, he, he gets things done. He speaks his mind. That's paying attention to character. So I think your political scientist guy's out of date. Yeah, that seems to be that is exactly right. You know, uh, it doesn't. It is out of date. But is it something that are we in that situation where character doesn't matter because? I mean, we're getting away from the media here, but because we've lost moral centeredness, we don't have religion, for example, anymore in America as a an arbiter of values, as a well, sense But we of, have too much religion involved with, with our politics as it is. Do we want more religion and a lot less? Uh-huh. Good point. 
Wow. Media at WAMC.org, by the way, is how you can intersect with this conversation. Send us that and we can deal with it on next week's show, media at WAMC.org. I'm Rex Smith here with Ira Fessfeld and Rosemary Armeo with the Media Project. And we're dealing with this question about both sidism, uh, which is the word that is used often in our line of work to talk about that impartial middle, about trying to give people a true sense of what's going on. And I think that it's important for us to note, again, just to go back to Christiane Amanpour's speech, which was, I thought, very thoughtful at at Columbia, where she said, ultimately, there is a 100% connection between a robust, independent, free and fair press and a functioning democracy and the advances of human rights and justice. And so the question about the connection between a robust, fair, and free press and the decline in America's uh, capacity to deal with its issues, you know, the inability of Congress to handle the topics before it, the potential failure of America to live up to its financial commitments, I wonder if the decline of the media in this country is reflected in our government's increasing inability to cope with the issues that we're facing? I don't know. I, I think it's complex. There are a number of different reasons. But I, I put my my thumb on the scale of Fox News and Trump have done more in the last decade to throw this historic equation off balance. And it's going to take a long time, if it can be fixed at all, it's going to take a long time for it to be fixed. You know, I always think there. The last time I can recall when the country seemed to be together was 9-11. And I just think that it would take an event, if not a 9-11, some other catastrophic event, which, of course, I and nobody was rooting for, to bring this country together and we'd rise up as in one voice. And maybe that sort of would stick. As I'm speaking these words, I'm saying, yeah, that's nuts. That that ain't going to happen. I think that the free press is essential to democracy, but it isn't the only element. And that's what's lacking right now. So the press is trying to work under the same rules that you still think you believe in that still are valid and yet you have operatives in both the media and in politics who have discovered ways around the rules ways to stop with old tradition and that's hurting and we the press has not yet adjusted to all of it so that will be the last word for this week's show i'm afraid well except for this (laughs) 50 days evan gershkovich of the wall street journal has been wrongfully imprisoned in russia So let us think about that. Hashtag I stand with Evan is what you need to do to say we believe in the value of free press and we are grateful to those who stand forward in very grave circumstances around the world on our behalf so that we can have this information highway. Rosemary Mayo, Ira Fussfeld, and I'm Rex Smith. Thank you for joining us this week on The Media Project. Meet the people, that's a thrill. All together fits the bill. Oh, newspaper men are such interesting people. The Media Project is a national production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our executive producer is Alan Chartong. This week's projectors include former Times Union editor and current Substack columnist of the Upstate American, Rex Smith, Rosemary Armeo, investigative journalist and adjunct professor at RPI in New Albany, and Daily Freeman publisher emeritus, Ira Fussfeld. You can listen to The Media Project anytime at wamcpodcast.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Now publishers are such interesting people.
It could be prostitution, I don't know. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, circulation, ting-a-ling-a-ling, advertising, get those readers, get that payoff. What a headache, what a mess. Oh, publishers are such interesting people. Let's give free cheers for freedom of the press. <laughs> 